Gideon's an interesting character. He's, uh, he, re- he, pretty, he reflects us a lot, and um, it's pretty relevant with us today. Uh, he's a person who lacks confidence. Um, he's a fearful man. Uh, he's a man of little faith. Uh, but I believe he's a man of humility, and we can apply that to our life in the way that we walk and um, our relationship with the Lord. So today's study um, is going to be looking at the life of Gideon and how God raises a man who is from the lowest tribe of Manasseh and whom was the least among his family. Uh, God would use him to do mighty things such as um, destroying the idolatry uh, within his home, uh, delivering the Midianites, uh, delivering Israel from the hand of the Midianites, and ultimately bringing 40 years of peace to Israel. And in this study, it's Judges uh, chapter 6, 7, and 8 we'll be looking at. Um, it's a lot to read. I'm not going to bore you with that, just reading all the way through. But what I did was I pulled out six points that I think is pretty relevant to us uh, today. And the first point is God uses difficult times to get our attention. God uh, sees more than we, than we do. God confirms his calling. Number four, private faithfulness is essential in being used publicly. Number five, God is patient with our faith process. And number six, um, success is determined by God's power, not our own. And what we're going to do for each point, um, I'm going to break up uh, the verses here in these three chapters, and uh, we'll get diving in God's word. But before we do that, let's ask the Lord for his blessing. If you could bow your heads and let's open up with a word of prayer. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for bringing each individual here. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would meet us where we're at. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just minister us right now. I pray that you would make the book alive in us today and that we would apply it in all wisdom to our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, for chapter uh, 6 of Judges, we're going to be looking at the first point, God uses difficult times to get our attention. And if you'll read with me verses 1 through 6 to get started, that would be good. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Medin for seven years. And the hand of of Medin prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up. Also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of, their, um, er, produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as the locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter into the land and destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children cried out to the Lord. So in this pattern, right here in the beginning of the Judges 6, we see that the Israelites have done evil in the eyes of the sight of the Lord again. And it's this cycle, and Tyler did a great job explaining it, the cycle that they are in. And because of their disobedience, God delivers them into the hands of the Midianites, where they suffer severe oppression for seven years. And not only is it the Midianites, but also the Amalekites and the people of the east who also oppress them. And uh, these people oppressed them for seven years by destroying their produce and taking livestock, leaving the Israelites no sustenance, and then thus um, putting them into uh, poverty conditions. And because of these living conditions, the Israelites were experience, are experiencing due to, um, due the, to their obedience, and God in his love and mercy is getting their attention in the midst of their oppression, thus resulting in the Israelites call, crying out to the Lord for help. Now, it's unfortunate that it has to be done because of their disobedience and them doing evil in the sight of the Lord. How much more better would it have been, you know, of their obedience? And by this, they're being persecuted by the enemy, and they're crying for the Lord for help. You know, how much more better would that have been? And our question for us today is, what are you, what are you going through right now that God is using to get your attention? I mean, it could be family. It could be things that were at school, and now you're getting ready to go into your, the next uh, grade or college. 
Um, it could be your sports, your school. Uh, it could be your friends. And whatever the storm is, I encourage you to ask the Lord to, for humil- humility, discernment, and that you would respond in the midst of the storm with all wisdom. And a little, uh, little verse from James uh, chapter 1, verse 5, for a little encouragement. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God, and he gives generously to all um, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And let's move on to uh, point number two in verses 7 through 12. It says, God sees more than we do. And pick up in verses uh, 7, and then we'll go through 12, and then this is actually where we're first introduced to Gideon and who he is as a man. It says, And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Mennonites, the Lord sent a prophet to Israel, uh, to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and, all, and, out, of all, and out of the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites and those in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So before we finish out um, 11 and 12, God, uh, God sends an anonymous prophet to the Israelites. Now we don't know who this person is, but we know that he's bringing light to their situation and also reminding them of the things that God's done in their life. And the prophet simply is reminding the Israelites all of the good God has done for them by saving them from the hands of the Egyptians and all who have oppressed them. And not only did he save them from their enemies, God also gave them their land. And in, their, in his in, um, res- response, God's mercy and love toward his people, he only asked that they remember and revere him as Lord. But we see in scripture that they ignored the voice of God. And then follow with me through 11 and 12. And this is where we first introduced Uh, to Gideon, and um, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the the Bezerite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. All right, so we're first introduced to Gideon right here. Uh, Gideon is a fifth judge of uh, the book of Judges who God raises up. Uh, to deliver the Israelites out of their bondage. Uh, he is a man who lacks confidence. He's a man of little faith. Um, he has a hard time trusting the Lord, thus causing him to doubt. Um, he is also a man of fear, but yet I believe he's a man of humility. And we'll see that later on in the response that he gives to the angel of the Lord that God sent to him. And some people might say this is a little bit humorous, how, um, how an angel of the Lord uh, appears to uh, Gideon and says, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, Gideon is hiding in a wine press. I don't know if you guys know much, much about what the wine press at that time was. It pretty much was a hole in the side, and you'd go in there, you'd toss the, um, the grapes in there, and they'd get smushed and everything. He's hiding in there because of fear of the Midianites, and what he's doing is threshing wheat. Now, wheat, when you're threshing wheat, it's normally outside, and the wind breaks the chaff and everything, and that whole process, but he's doing it out of fear, and um, he's actually storing up food for himself and um, the community and uh, he's doing this out of fear, and he's fearful that is for his life. If the Midianites see what he's doing, you know, that it could be a bad consequences. And the angel of the Lord says to him, um, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And some might say it's humorous, but I believe God saw more in Gideon than he or anyone else could see in him. That instead of being a joke, the Lord truly sees a warrior in Gideon, and God is determined to make Gideon such a man. 
And the question to you guys is, do you believe that God sees more in you even when no one else can see it in you? And, the prover- and I have a little proverb for you guys to think about, meditate a little bit on, and it's Proverbs 28, 26. It says, those who trust in themselves are a fool, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. So simply look to the Lord instead of people, and he will keep you safe. Um, for point number three, God confirms his calling. If you can follow with me through 13 to 24, it's uh, where the angel of the Lord appears to um, Gideon, and he's confirming this calling in his life, what he wants him to do uh, for Israel. He says, Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned, turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And then it uh, goes on and says, So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So I believe right there that response that he gave to the Lord is one out of humility. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that, if, that it that is you who talk with me. Do not depart from, me, from here. I pray until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and, put in the, um, and, and he put the broth in a pot. And he brought them out to, the, to him under the turban tree and pre- presented, them, presented it to him. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay down on this rock and pour out the broth, and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff and that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire rose out on the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon um, perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, so Gideon said, At last, O Lord, God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it still stands. And uh, <clears throat> Ophrah of the Abizarite. <clears throat> when God is calling us to do something, he always confirms it. That's directly, whether that's through prayer, the reading of his word, or the confirmation of other people. And in this scene, we see God confirm it through an angel to Gideon. Now Gideon, in his humility, still lacks confidence in the Lord because he's a man of little faith. And Gideon's first response to the angel is why and where, as we see in verses 13. Now, um, in his response, Gideon shows this lack of confidence in the promises that God has made to Israel, his people, to save them and keep them, uh, make them prosperous and everything. And um, now, because of their current predicament, Gideon believes God has left them in, um, into the hands of Medin. He says, uh, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of Medin, the Midianites. So he's lost faith. In the Lord, and he's having a hard time trusting him, and he's doubting in his promises. And the angel of the Lord does not respond to Gideon's question, but instead says, Go in the strength of God and save the Israelites from the hand of the Midianites. And God gives um, Gideon his task, and now he is going to confirm it. And we see that Gideon has trouble understanding if this truly is the word of God telling him to defeat the Midianites. So he asks the angel of the Lord to stay put 
while he prepares an offering of meat, unleavened bread, and broth to the Lord. Upon placing his offering to the Lord on a rock, the angel of the Lord touches the meat and the unleavened bread with the end of his staff, and it consumes the offering. Then the angel departs. And now Gideon realizes that it truly was the Lord who appeared to him, and this is him confirming um, this task that he has from his calling into ministry that he has for Gideon to save the Israels from the depression that they have, the oppression, and the bondage that they have under the Midianites. And my question to you is, like Gideon, God is confirming his call for your purpose in his life, in this life. And if so, be obedient to whatever God is calling you to do. And as we move on to the beginning of uh, Gideon's ministry, um, it says one of the points that have uh, point number four is private faithfulness is essential in being used publicly. And I think this one's super applicable to us today um, because it's really in how you conduct yourself and um, in your obedience to the Lord. If you'll follow with me, verses 25 uh, through 32, we can get rolling on this one. It says, Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. That would be an Asherah, um, who is a Canaanite goddess. Um, And build an altar to the Lord your God, on top of this rock, and in the, pro- in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt offering, a sacrifice with wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city uh, too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And then it goes on and says, And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down. And the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been uh, built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon the son of Joash has done this thing. Then the men of the city cried out, um, said to jo- Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, because he, is, because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wounded what an image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is good, let him plead for himself, because his altar has been torn down. Therefore on that day he called him Jerobal, Jerobal, correct me if I'm wrong, (laughs) saying that Baal pled against him because he has torn down his altar. And we see that Gideon, um, and we see that this call on the ministry that God's giving him, uh, this was Gideon's first act of obedience to God, through, um, though he still was fearful in his actions. And you see that through um, doing it by night and also him bringing 10 men, which is kind of funny. He doesn't really talk much on that, but it's interesting that he uses, brings 10 men with him. And the Lord told him to go destroy this, um, the altar of Baal and, and the Asherah pool as well. And God tells Gideon to get rid of the sinful things in his own backyard before he can be. Um, move on to making a public act of faithfulness to God by defeating the Midianites. And why would God have Gideon first do this? Uh, read with me um, 1 Timothy uh, 3, 5. You guys actually don't have to go there. There's a lot of flipping, so you guys, you, you're fine. It says, if a man does not know um, how to rule his own house, how will he um, take care of the church? And I know that Paul's writing Timothy in one of the epistles, the pastor epistles, but it's so applicable to us today. Because we as individuals are ambassadors of Christ. We are a reflection of Christ. And the way that we conduct our life reflects who Christ is. 
And if God is calling us into ministry, if God, in which we all are in ministry in some aspect, and if God is calling us to be these ambassadors of him, your life, will ref- your life needs to be um, pure. You're, you need to be obedient. You need to be living a, a godly life. And if you're not living it, it's going to affect your ministry. It's going to affect what, how people see you and um, see Jesus. So it's really important that you guys are, you guys are making sure that you are living a, a life in a manner that is worthy to the calling that God has given you in him. And as Christians, we are all leaders. Um, no matter what the situation is, um, in your home, in your families, um, in school, uh, on your sports teams, here in this room, you guys are leaders. Why? Because we are, we're Christians. We're the ambassadors of, of Jesus Christ. So we are a reflection of him. And by so you are a leader in the way that you live your life. Not everything's done by speaking, but I believe that actions speak louder than words. And when people see you, they should see Christ in you and thus glorify him because of that. Okay, so it's very important that we are living a life, you know, um, in private, which will apply to us in, um, when we're around people, of who Christ is and how we are changed by him and the Holy Spirit living within us. And simply, if Gideon was going to lead God's people, he needed to be an example of godliness. And if God had not told Gideon to clean out the sinful things in his own home, Gideon could never have been the leader that God wanted him to be. Because no leader contradicts what he is teaching with the way he lives. And if so, that person's leadership is built on a foundation that is impure, deceptive, and in the end is dead. So if you are living a secret, if you are living in secret an ungodly life, how then are we going to be able to lead people righteously? You won't. Whatever comes in hiding will come out to the light. Okay? And my question to you is, is there any um, hidden sin that you need to get rid of before God uses you publicly as a leader for him? And uh, believe it or not, I already touched on this, but we are all leaders, and it's very important that you guys see that right now as you guys are leaders in this world today um, as believers and Christians, okay? And um, moving on to point number five, if you'll follow with me, chapter 6, 33 through 40. It says, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Abizarites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulon, Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. And then it goes on and says, So Gideon said to God, If you have saved Israel, if if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is um, only and it is dry on the ground, then I shall know that you have, will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning he, and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl of water, and a bowl of water, I guess, came out. Then the Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test. I pray just once more with the fleece that it now be dry only on the fleece, but on the ground, it, um, ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. I uh, apologize. New King James Version, for some reason, is really hard for me to read. <laughs> um, so the fifth point is God is patient with our faith, faith process. 
And we see that the Midianites and Amalekites and the people of the east are encamping, getting ready to do this raid on the Israelites to plunder their stuff, to, um, to uh, take away their produce, destroy their produce, and take their flocks and everything. And Gideon is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and 32,000 men um, gather behind him under his leadership. And we'll, I'll clarify how we know that number. Um, that's clarified through in, Pastor, um, in chapter 7. And uh, even though all of this is happening, Gideon still asks that question, uh, Lord, show me. And he, the, Lord, the Lord was revealing himself to Gideon through the angel. And when um, he was cleaning out his shop and everything, uh, tearing down the altar of Baal, and he was acting in obedience... Um, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, and these people come up, and they start following him. Um, and now he, um, and he knows that God has promised to save Israel by his leadership um, in battle through confirmation of the angel. So the angel and all this is confirming this, and Gideon still struggles to trust, um, trust God's plan because he is setting his eyes on earthly things instead of heavenly things where God sits. And in these verses, God reveals his grace and patience, that even though Gideon is doubting God's power, he still graciously meets Gideon where he's at, and he is patient with him through his process of becoming a man of valor. If you'll go with me to uh, point number six as we get started with closing, um, and it says, success is determined by God's power, not ours. And I think this one is super important, and this is one thing that I constantly remind myself that it is for God's glory, it is not mine, it is not Ben's name I'm trying to make known, but Jesus' name, and it should be the same for you guys and every person um, who is a believer in Jesus Christ, okay? And in chapter uh, 7, verses 1 through 8, it says, Then uh, Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the hands of the Midianites, um, to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead, and 22,000 of the people turn, and 10,000 remain. So we know that it's 32,000 because of this verse right here. So 22,000 leave and 10 remain. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that <clears throat> of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with, their t um, with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand on their, to their mouth, was 300 men. But the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men... <clears throat> who have lapped, I will save, save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other people go, everyone, every man into this, to his place. So the people took provision and their trumpets in their hands. And he sent away all the rest of Israel, Israel um, by men to his tent and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of the Midian was below, um, Midianites were below him in the valley. In chapter 6, God simply is taking away any opportunity or chance for the Israelites uh, to pretty much claim glory, that it was by their power and not God's. 
So God gives Gideon two tests. He says, go out to your people and tell them anybody who is afraid or fearful of what we're about to do, go home. And we see 22,000 people leave. And then the second test, he says, go out and observe in in the way that they drink from the water. And those who lap lap from the water with their tongue, God told Gideon to set apart. And those numbered uh, 300 men. And those who knelt and drank from their hands were told to leave, which numbered 970, because dividing that from 10,000, you get 9,700. 9,700, my bad. So God would later use Gideon to lead Israel into the defeating of the Mennonites, all by the hands of God, um, God and not man. And as we close, let's go ahead and look at chapters 8, verses 22 through 28. And it's pretty sad that Gideon actually does this thing. It was, it was nobody pressuring him into doing this. Um, this was his own decision. This, is, this was um, an act of disobedience, actually. And it says, Then the men of, men of Israel said to Gideon, Roll over us, both you and your son, and your grandson also. For you have delivered us from the hand of Medin. But Gideon said to them, I will not roll over you, nor shall my son roll over you. The Lord shall roll over you. Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder, for the earnings from his, plund- from his plunder. For they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So they answered, we will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment and each man threw into uh, it the earrings from his plunder. Now the weight of the gold earnings that... Um, he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold, besides the crescent ornaments, pendants, and purple robes, which were on the kings of Medin, and besides the chains that were around their camel's neck. Then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in the city, uh, Orphra, and all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and his household. Thus Midian was subdued before the Israel, children of Israel, so that they lifted their heads no more. And the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Unfortunately, Gideon fell into the same sin that his father Joash committed. And because of this act of disobedience, it becomes a snare to Gideon. And thus Gideon gave the people an occasion to sin. And it's unfortunate like the end of his life, well, not the very end of his life, but after this had all happened, out of his obedience to the Lord and the calling that he had given him to defeat the um, Midianites and to deliver the Israelites, um, he goes on and he acts out like this by creating an ephod, an idol, an, um, an, an um, idol worship thing for um, the people. And they um, now have an occasion to sin. And it was a snare, as we see, to the household of Gideon. But in the end, the Lord has kept his promises. He delivered um, Israel out of the hands of the Midianites. Um, and they had peace for 40 years. But we later see, as it finishes eight, um, out 8, that after the death of Gideon, that once again the um, Israelites fell back into the temptations of the world and um, the desires that this world has, and they start to sin against God, and they forget what he's done, and they don't listen to the Lord's voice anymore. Now, before we close, I want to do something different. Um, I'd like you guys to um, put all distractions aside. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to stand up or anything, but what I do want you to do is bow your heads and close your eyes as we close out. And then we'll finish with prayer. Because I think this is very important for all of us here today to make these commitments and to move on with uh, what the Lord has for us. As Christians, we need to distinguish God's calling in our lives with discernment and wisdom. 
And when the Spirit reveals himself to us, whether through the reading of his word, prayer, or confirmation of others, we need to make sure that our response is one out of obedience to his will and not one of disobedience, whether that's because of fear or a lack of trusting in the omnipotent God that we serve. If you are in a season of discerning the will of God um, in your life, and by so are constantly asking God for signs to affirm this calling, there are a few questions you need to ask yourself. Is the reason for my asking God for signs a, a result of a lack of faith? Are, me, are my desires to de- receiving confirmation through signs from God to affirm his calling because I need to make sure it is truly the Holy Spirit speaking and not the flesh? Is this because I'm having trouble acting in obedience to, having out, um, to living out his plan for my life? Or simply, is this desire caused by a lack of trust or fear of not being able to amount up to the person God is calling you to be? Now, we need to be aware that our flesh and the enemy will continue to fight back by placing distractions or stumbling blocks in our path. But when we seek the face of of God through prayer, the reading of his word, and fellowship with one another, we become more aware of these attacks and are capable to make a righteous decision that aligns with his will because we are maturing in our walk with the Lord. There are many things calling you and I to partake in the things of this world that they have to offer. Our lives are constantly being challenged and bombarded with things that are sinful and plainly not of God. These things seek to satisfy the flesh and reject the spirit. Have you ever wondered why it is so hard to stand firm in your belief in Jesus Christ as Lord in a culture that so eagerly fights to disclaim or disprove the saving grace of Jesus Christ? Or have you wondered why you struggle to submit to the will of God? Or maybe you ask yourself, why does my life seem as though I am following the world more than I am following Jesus? It could very well be that you have forgotten what God has done on the cross and simply the things he has done personally in your life, thus leading you to partake in the sinful desires of this world, or in other words, you have submitted to this world rather than submitting to God, and now purposely or unintentionally are following in the same footsteps as the Israelites did all throughout the book of Judges. Instead of being transformed by the renewal of the Spirit, you have conformed to the patterns of this world, and now, because of your lifestyle, you are reaping the fruits of your actions that are completely disobedient and possibly purposely committed despite the saving grace of Jesus Christ, which all stems from you not remembering what God has done in your life, or possibly you are fighting right now with the completely surrendering to the will of God. My encouragement is to you is to stop what you are doing and look to the Lord for mercy, and ask that he save you from your current situation and by his spirit sanctify you that he might bring peace to your life situation. I also encourage you to act in humility and have a willing heart to go through with his plan for your life. And a little encouragement from Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Guys, look up real fast. If you don't know the Lord, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord or Savior, I ask you to step out of faith right now and go talk to Pastor Tyler, Eric or I, one of these leaders, so that we may tell you who he is and what he's done and how to receive that, um, the free gift of eternal <clears throat> life with him and all who have placed their faith in him. And to the person who's drifted away, um, drifted away in the relationship with the Lord and is not conducting themselves in a godly manner, I ask that you too would also step out of faith and pray with one of us leaders. And we love you guys very dearly, and we want to see the best for you in Jesus. And I want, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do through you guys, these amazing things in this generation of young men and women. And, um, and that's something that I really look forward to and I'm praying for. And uh, we want to bring the best out of you guys in Jesus Christ. And if you guys 
If you don't know the Lord, I ask that you come talk to one of us leaders. Or if you're drifting, you just need prayer, please uh, talk to us because we'd love to pray with you guys. And uh, as we close, let's go ahead and pray and uh, thank the Lord for this time that he's given us. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.